0: Welcome to The Wonderful World of Dance, bringing you exclusive interviews with top dancers and choreographers and reviews of the world's best companies across the globe. You can find lots more on our website at thewonderfulworldofdance.com. Hi this is Savannah Saunders from The Wonderful World of Dance and today we're exploring the important topic of dancer mental health and well-being. Joining me today is former Royal Ballet dancer Terry Hyde who is a psychotherapist specialising in helping dancers. Hi Terry thank you so much for joining us.
1: Hi there, uh, thanks for asking me.
0: So, the life of a professional dancer, and even for many dancers who are not even at the sort of, you know, the top companies of the world, but all dancers, the emotional and physical challenges of this profession can be quite difficult. And I know I've spoken with a lot of dancers who have talk about the issues that they have um, experienced such as anxiety and depression, confidence issues, dealing with injuries and rejection. Um, as a dance counsellor yourself, what are you seeing are the challenges that dancers are facing today that's having an impact on their mental health?
1: I think most of all, it's lack of support from the vocational schools. And this is I'm generalizing mm-hmm. here now. There obviously are small pockets of good support from vocational schools. And also, uh, again, the same from dance companies. Mm-hmm. They're generally a lack of support, but there are pockets where there's very good support for dancers' mental health and, and well-being.
0: It's interesting that you you mentioned that because literally that was going to be my next question was about the dance industry as a whole and how they support dancers. And I know that a lot of the the top companies around the world now are having uh, sort of a greater emphasis and focus on not just the physical endurance required, but also the emotional and the psychological impacts. But as you say, it's about the support that, that dancers get when they're training. As you mentioned, there some with ballet schools who, who potentially have less uh, funding available to provide um, you know, mental health and well-being support for dancers. But what do you find in terms of the conversations that you have with dancers and uh, sort of why they're turning to um, people like yourself for, for the assistance?
1: Okay, well, I'll go back to the... To the, to the support hmm. uh, there, there are the, the basics basic reasons as, as you've mentioned anxiety depression um but there are other aspects to that um so the reason dancers come to me if they're not freelancers is that they don't want to go through their vocational school or they don't want to go through the company to get help because of the mental health stigma which is around the world it's not just in the uk um, but the, the, the reasons that they come As I, as I mentioned Are anxiety and depression that's, that's two of the most things But underlying that Is uh, the way they've been, treat- they've been treated in, At the school or the company mm-hmm. um, Or in childhood So um, I'm, I'm what's called A psychodynamic psychotherapist um, And I work with the unconscious And the unconscious is recording As we're going on Even in utero it's recording what's going on in in our life, both um, implicitly and explicitly. Because sometimes it's it's a person's perception of an incident or a situation that creates um, a trauma that's not actually really there. So it, it depends on the environment in which we grew up and how we perceive things. But <coughs> excuse me. But going from childhood. Um, I started doing ballet when I was seven years, six years old. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people do start ballet even earlier than that. So it's all very specific. If you're not pointing your toe right, then you're wrong. Mm-hmm. It's all very black and white thinking. Mm-hmm. And there's the traits that we, we develop to protect ourselves and make sure that we're right and correct um, makes, makes for a very black and white thinking. And so if there's no proper support from teaching, um, so we're corrected all the time. so mm. in, in actual fact, we go through life right from early childhood, not feeling good enough.
0: That's so true. Uh,
1: especially, especially now. I mean, it wasn't so much when I was training, but now it's competitions. Mm. And uh, that is a is a black and white thing. You're either a winner or you're not. Yeah. And so... When, when, uh, when people go for auditions for the corps de ballet, especially, mm-hmm. a number of you get in. So you know that you've, you've got in and you, you know that you're good enough. You then have to, to, to sort of fight to continue that. And there's uh, right from uh, childhood, there's always that comparing, especially when teachers say, now look at Joanna here, she's doing it right. Mm-hmm. So that means that everyone else is doing it wrong. Yeah. rather than, uh, rather than uh, you know, doing it in a different way. And I'm not saying all teachers do this. Yeah. Um, I am generalizing, but uh, these are the aspects. And words are so powerful, especially when you're kids. You know, you, yeah. they, they pick things up, and that's where it all starts, and all in childhood.
0: I think it never leaves you actually the the training and the the constant corrections and even I was lucky I had some really wonderful teachers but even then you are looking at them in the mirror thinking how can I be better and how can I be better than the next person or how I'm not good enough or I'm fat enough you know too fat or you know I'm not flexible enough and and then as you say you've got to then have your exams, your auditions, your competitions, and now, of course, the young dancers or dancers nowadays have social media to contend with as well. So it's not just mm-hmm. about what's going in on the studio or their home, but this is about what's going on around the world that they've got to sort of contend with, and that must be quite difficult.
1: I would have thought. Well, that yes, I mean that's, that's part of the anxiety and the depression, you know, seeing other people, and I try and impress on on the dancers when when that is the aspect that they're coming to therapy for, that they are unique. We are all unique. We yeah. all have our, our different things. Now, um, I'm five foot five, so I mm. fitted a niche market, as it were, mm. with dance, so character work. So I, I, I was quite happy with that, but then some people may not be. They want to be the tall prince.
0: Mm. Uh,
1: that doesn't go with me at all. <laughs> um, because I I realized right from the beginning that's what i wanted to do and in fact you say i i, I did ballet but from from ballet when when i left uh, uh the company i went into musical theater and so i was singing and, and, and acting as well and did films and television Goodness. So i've done a, a quite a wide spectrum so i understand everything and i was amazed at how <clears throat> easygoing uh the musical theatre was in compared to, to ballet. I know now it's it's different because there's so much competition mm. out there. There's so many more boys uh, dancing now, which is great. Yes, which is great. But it does mean, you know, there's there's less opportunity because there's so many dancers now. They're going into the commercial theatre, into street dance, etc., etc., which is great, absolutely yeah. great. That um, you know, people can express themselves. Um, I'm going off at a tangent here. No, it's
0: really no, it's really interesting because there's a couple of things in there for me, but I want to pick up um, on what you said a little bit earlier about this stigma in terms of not wanting to talk about the sort of health and well-being and mental health um, specifically within the dance industry or just within general society because we all know that, you know, it's – Perhaps, you know, the term itself is, you know, it doesn't sound very nice, does it? Mental health, you know, it's, uh, I can imagine that dancers would feel, as you say, not confident to uh, reach out to their colleagues or to their company in fear of being judged. Um, And I think it's important that, yeah. yeah, and I think it's important that we do talk about dancer mental health because it is a very, very exacting and very challenging career that doesn't last very long.
1: Yeah, um, I, when I do um, my mental health self care workshops for for colleges, uh, you know, uh, vocational schools, I start off with talking about injuries. So I ask the group that's there um, to tell me about the injuries that they've had in the last six months or the last year, what they uh, what they had, uh, what they did about it, how long it lasted, what was the rehabilitation, and all of that sort of thing. And after that settles down, because that's only lasts a few minutes, mm. I, I say to them, okay, so how's, how's your mental health? You've been feeling down and what? And there's silence, and mm. you can see the tumbleweeds rolling across the room. Mm. Um, but uh, there are a few people within each group that have done therapy, and they are the ones that are starting the ball rolling, and they will talk about it. And then other people say, yeah, actually, you know, mm. I was feeling quite low, such and such, or my granddad died, and I'm still suffering at, uh, mm. from it. So it's not just um, dancers' issues where dancers come to me. It is all everyday issues, bereavement. Mm. That, and, and, you know, when you go through uh, a ballet career or a dance career, you've got the student stage, or so you've got, the, you know, the, the little kitty stage, then yeah. you've got the student stage, then you've got the dance company and the anxiety of um, jobs coming mm-hmm. up and things like that. There's transitions all the way through. And each transition is a bereavement mm-hmm. because there's a loss there. And so, you know, if you've had to give up mm-hmm. because of injury mm-hmm. or something happens at home that, that you, you need to, to give up and look after somebody or uh, you've come to the end of your dancing life and Regardless whether you're going on to teaching choreography or anything else or totally something different There is a loss there. And I I can say um, As an example, um, I had to give up I won't give you the reason why but I had to give up and I couldn't see I couldn't watch anything on television I couldn't go to any films where there was dancing. I couldn't go to any ballets or shows for four years and I didn't realize Mm. until I had therapy myself because as a psychotherapist, we had have, we have to do four years of personal therapy during our training. And that's, you know, to help yeah, us wow. understand uh, and clear everything out. I didn't understand what that four years of not wanting to see anything to do with dance was. And I realize now that was me really grieving. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I didn't deal with it then, but I obviously dealt with it in therapy.
0: That's really interesting. Um, I, as I mentioned, I didn't become a professional dancer, and I had to give up for um, family reasons. Um, and I remember feeling very much the same about when every time I would enter into a theatre or, you know, go do my adult ballet class, or you know, when I came back to it many years later, I, I felt um, a bit uh, emotionally weighted by it because there was grief attached to the loss of one's dream. Um, mm. Because it is, it's, this life is as a dancer. It's all consuming, isn't it? You know, there, it is. It's, it is, it's yeah. difficult to have other aspects in your life when, as you mentioned, in those transitions where, you, you, when you're young, you've got to train. So you train every single day of the week almost, and when you can't go out with your friends partying and things like that because you've got to rehearse and prepare for exams and competitions etc and then obviously company life is you know very um very rigid and and then if you go on to become a freelance dancer you've got all those other challenges of trying trying to create a sustainable and meaningful and financially stable career for yourself which is Mm. also very very challenging without any of the support of what's provided by many of the companies Um, so I can imagine those transitions must be very challenging um, as you mentioned and do you talk to dancers about the issues around um, performance and things like that as well?
1: Yes I do, yeah because um, there's there's also performance linked uh, anxiety and Mm -hmm. also injury linked anxiety Um, and those, those two seem to go hand in hand um, to, to, to a certain degree. In other words, someone's got over an injury. It may have been some time ago, but they're still in the back of their head. They're worried about doing a step, which is what caused the injury. Mm-hmm. So doing visualizations, I work, work through uh, visualizations with them to get them to, to understand how their thinking is affecting them. Um, and especially for performance, um, I use a, a technique whereby they rehearse the... Uh, so they do an imagery, which uh, sports people do. Mm-hmm. So they work with the imagery factor of their performance, their solo, whatever they're doing that they're having difficulty with, falling off point or, or uh, not finishing pirouettes properly. And so we work through that um, to a greater extent. It's successful. It's only going to be stopped by the individual that will still um, think that they're no good. So we we have to work Mm. over that as well. And I work with the underlying factors of childhood and all those aspects as well, because there's a trigger somewhere back there Mm. that is stopping them um, thinking in a very clear way.
0: And I think what, I, what I'm finding positive is some of the top dancers around the world are- are talking about their own personal experiences with um, their health and well-being and mental health issues, which I think is becoming um, a little bit less taboo, as, as I guess we could say. I remember when I was interviewing Lauren Lovett, um, and she was very open about um, the fact that she had gone through therapy for her anxiety. And just um, this week I spoke with Natalia Osipova, who talked about her own um experiences of not becoming an Olympic gymnast and then how that's impacted on her dance career and she experiences anxiety as well so it's very much um, becoming it's becoming I guess more of a general conversation um, which I think is really important for some of the you know the big name stars out there to show the young the rest of the sort of you know the younger community particularly in the dance world that it's okay to talk about these things
1: yeah that's a good point because um if it's okay to talk then they will feel more at ease and ask for help i mean the first stage of anyone's healing is asking for help that is the first stage and that's that's sometimes the biggest step for some people if they've grown up in a family that doesn't talk emotions mm. or um sweet, you know, things are swept under the carpet then they're, they're not used to opening up and talking if they come from a family that is overly supportive, then they don't know what the big, wide world is like. And when, it, when they come out into the big, wide world, bang, it's like hitting a brick wall. So there's two extremes. They're yeah. very polarised.
0: And when do you think um, a dancer should ask, you know, what are the sort of indicators or the factors that you think, well, you know, when you're talking about sort of self-care and self-awareness and, you know, being able to ask
1: what, it's understanding the symptoms um, i think every every school and every ballet company or your dance company should have one person and this is for the uk i don't know uh, what else happens outside the uk but there's a mental health first aid course i think every dance and one one school that i contacted and this was more of a, an acting school mm-hmm. every teacher has has gone and, uh, and done the uh, mental health first aid course. I think that's brilliant because then they, the teacher can recognize the symptoms in the students that, uh, that can then be signposted to a therapist or just a talk with somebody. You know, sometimes mm. when things get on top of them, just need to offload and it may be an hour and that's it. You know, I've had people come to me for one session and we've hit the trigger, we found out what it was and they've been great. Um, Whereas others, you know, they take uh, months. And I think that's important to
0: recognise as well. That just because you do reach out to get some support and to have uh, a conversation with someone, is that it, it doesn't mean there's anything necessarily wrong with you, it doesn't make you a bad person, it doesn't make you a failure, um, but also that it doesn't mean that it can't just be resolved in one, two, a handful or whatever number of sessions to make you um, more confident and, and better at your, your career that I guess people want to be able to
1: come away with. That's right. I mean, if you look at injury, hmm. uh, and, and as I said, you know, students don't mind talking about their injuries, dancers don't mind talking about, professional dancers don't mind talking about their injuries. They'd rather not have them. Hmm. But <clears throat> sometimes, you know, a massage or whatever can, can, can put them right and they're, and they're back on stage uh, in a few days. Sometimes, you know, they're off for six months, but they accept that. You know, why can't they accept um, mental health issues in the same way? And I, as, I, as I said before, it's, it's the powers that be hmm. need to impress on the dancers and the students that it's okay to be off, to yeah. be unwell, yeah. to be sad, to be low, to yeah. be anxious.
0: Yeah. And, and,
1: that, what, and, once, and once that comes from the top, then people will open up more. Um, but I think because it's such an aesthetic um, art, Everything has to look good. Everything yeah. has to feel good. And um, maybe, you know, with this stigma, oh, we don't want any, anyone knowing that we've got dancers with anxiety or depression. Mm-hmm. Rather than they don't care about um, the, the amount of injury. Oh, no, sorry. Not that they don't mm. care. <laughs> <laughs> it, it doesn't affect them so much to have dancers who are injured because they'll put a little notice in, in, in the program. Yeah, starts and starts and starts yeah.
0: On. But I guess they don't put a notice in to say, you know, their injury is of, of the the mind or the emotion. But you see, you can't
1: see a mental health issue, can you? It's no. It's not it's not visible. And when someone walks down uh, into the class with a limp, you know that there's something wrong.
0: But how can maybe if a parent or a colleague is
1: is concerned, what do you think, or they would be looking for? The basic symptoms are low mood. Okay. Um being a bit touchy or touchy, um, so quick-tempered, mm-hmm. um, wanting to be by themselves a lot, not talking. Um, and, you know, the answer, to are you all right? So, <laughs> I'm fine. Hmm. You know, that, that sort of answer. Oh, I'm okay. And I, I do a hashtag called Ask Twice on, on my Instagram account. And, and it is, um, how, how are you? So when people say hi, how are you? Yeah, they don't actually want an answer. Hmm. But when they can see that someone is not well, and and it's visible, it's if you're sort of quite sensitive, you can you can see that they're not well. And um, ask twice. So hi, how are you? No, actually, how are you? Yeah, really, how are you? <laughs> really, how are you? Yeah. That's right. Because you know the hi, how are you, and people walk past each other we're not even wanting an answer so really ask how yeah. are you or I can see you're feeling no mm.
0: it is, a, it is well, such a challenging a challenging career and particularly one that's so short as well um, you know luckily with you know additional physical training again physical training and physical care dancers careers mm. are becoming longer but it is a short career and so there is this real intensity of um, emotions as well as the physicality in that short time and you talked about transitions before but it must be quite um, uh, daunting to think about you know how much one needs to do in this short amount of time but then to start thinking about well how do I I move on from this? How do I transition into the new life that I'm,
1: I'm going to have, have to face? Well, that's right. <clears throat> You're talking about short career, but actually, when you consider that most of uh, the dancers start early on in their life, mm. three, four, five, um, it's actually a long span of time. It's true. And it's their identity. So when they finish dancing, they have lost an identity. So you take, for instance, uh, an engineer or an architect, they start when they're perhaps 18 mm-hmm. or 16, you know, d- depending on, on what exams they take. And that's when they start. And then they finish a lot later. So, you know, at 30 or, or less, I think I retired at 29, um, you might say that's a short career, but I've been doing it since age six, yeah. uh, 29, 35 years. That is a no, really long time. Right. Oh, that's, not right. <laughs> no, 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 that's not right. That's not right.
0: No. 24 years. 24 years. <laughs> okay. Almost, so, yeah. what, two and a half years. decades. But as you say, the most formative yeah. period of your life when you're young and your mm. personality is formed, and as you mentioned before, that your subconscious is recording your experiences and forming your well, worldview of yourself but and also um, of others. But it's it is... This point about the identity is quite a, 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 a quite a significant one, I think, because it is not just a physical challenge of like an athlete because they're very, they are athletes, you know, they have to perform at peak performance, but it's also, yeah. as you mentioned, it's an artistry as well. We have, you know, they have to tell stories and it has to look beautiful all the time. And it's all about presenting this perfection. And, you know, whereas I guess if you're like a runner or doing javelin, it doesn't matter if you're looking, you know, sweaty and ugly or, you know, pulling faces or, or whatever it is, you know, someone's version of ugly. Um, I think all athletes look great. But, you know, dancers have to look, you know, beautiful whilst they're doing this and effortless. And this identity yeah. must be very hard um, to, to change, I guess, and to experience that.
1: Well, yes, uh, we, we talk about the identity and the loss of identity. So we're talking about grace and bereavement again. Yeah. And when, when there is a change, uh, and, you know, it'll be the same for athletes as well because they, they get injured, they have to give up. Um, and, and I think from that point of view, it's how to deal with it, how to deal with the process, um, of change and a a lot I'm, I'm going in with the university to do some uh, research on, uh, neurodiversity. So the neurodiversity includes, um, ADHD, that's attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, and autism. So we're looking at the spectrums and how the training from an early age exacerbates some of those traits. Um, to develop a black and white thinking, you know, right and wrong. Mm-hmm. If you're not pointing your foot right, then you're wrong. Um, and the concentration that's needed, the perfectionism mm. within 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 that 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 all exacerbates all those traits. And are the traits leading the dancers, or are the dancers um, able to control those traits? In other words, if something goes wrong and you have um, high-scoring traits, as it were, because we're going to use a scoring method, Mm -hmm. um, does that make them anxious when, when things go wrong or when things change? Do you, do you understand I what I'm talking about? No, you,
0: you are. I'm just. I, I find this. I find this entire topic quite profound, actually, because um, it is. I think a lot of people who will listen to this and um, a lot of not just people who love to go to the theatre but um, dancers and you know dance parents and you know family members and friends who who see their um, son or daughter you know who have as you say been training for many many years and displaying these quite you know black and white perfectionist qualities and you know very um, self-critical most dancers will openly describe themselves as very hyper critical on themselves um, and this whole question of, you know, are those traits leading the dancer or is the, the dancer able to utilize those traits for their benefit or to be in control That's of those? Right. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's but, quite an interesting concept, really, to sort of work out and for potentially for dancers listening where they fit within that. Um, you talk about a sort of a range and a score, but I think even sort of thinking about yourself, where do I? Fit and how do I react or respond or do I feel like I'm in control of what's going on and how I'm to sort of, to my inner dialogue to myself and the dialogue I'm getting from teachers. As you say, some teachers have different styles and we've talked about that on our show um, before. So, yeah, I'm just interested in what people are likely to say um, and to feel and to think, to, you know, to themselves and to others. And I'm interested from your perspective as well in terms of if... People are listening to this thinking, well, actually, you know, I think maybe I am too hard on myself or maybe I am making it more difficult for myself. What do you think that they should do themselves?
1: Well, um, these, these traits are wired into the brain, um, but they, they can also be... So the traits, the, the wiring in the brain can't be changed. Okay. But you can set up new... Neurotransmitters by changing the your way you're thinking about. Uh, so, when I, when I um, do these tests, do these inventories uh, for, for the dancers I, and for the general public as well, because uh, people seem to be attracted to certain careers. People are, who mm. are high on the spectrum are attracted to certain careers. Yes. Um, and so, I, I, I do this test for them and I, I get them. Not just to answer the questions, but when they see where they've answered and they realize what they are, I, I get them to do examples. So they're actually doing it for themselves. Oh, yes, I do that. Hmm. And I do that when such and such. So I think this way, I do that way, or I don't do this. And they get to realize what it is. And I say, OK, well, how, how do you think you're going to be able to change? So we work out ways that they're going to be able to change their way of thinking. So it sets up new neuros transmitters, and neuropathways. The old ones, using an analogy of railway tracks, the old ones will go (laughs) rusty and have grass growing up around them, and the new tracks will be nice and shiny and being used all the time. The only thing is that the old tracks will still be there. So if um, that individual isn't uh, mentally strong enough Hmm. and a trauma happens, they may just revert to the old tracks and the old ways. So it's a constant thing to try and develop the new ways of thinking, hmm. and in in that way, these this expressions I use. It doesn't matter. In other words, do you really need to do that every time? It doesn't matter. Um, does the dishwasher need to be fit, to be done exactly the way that you want it? Because I do couples counselling as well. <laughs> that, that, that comes into that. um and, and so I use the dishwasher as an example. Hmm. Who does the dishwasher? So, there's, you know, it's, it's being pedantic about certain things that, you know, no one's going to die. Yeah. It's another expression. <laughs> um, yeah. So it, it, you can change. So you're not necessarily stuck like that. And I think um, although the autism, uh, Asperger's and ADHD are disorders in the extreme, it's wonderful to have the diversity there, um, you know, in, in any aspect. We're all on the spectrum, all of us, regardless whether we're dancers or, or not. We are all on the spectrum. And like the the hyperactivity gives us the go, gives us the mm. punch to drive ahead. Mm. Um, the focusing on certain autistic traits, the focusing there is great. And that's what uh, we need to drive ourselves and control our life. But it can get to a detrimental stage. And at that point, that's when any changes uh, Anxiety comes in because they can't control it anymore. And it's, it's, the
0: industry is very much often... Um Uh, can feel like you don't have control, like you mentioned before, when you go in for auditions and a lot of dancers, um, when I ask them what advice that they would give to um, other aspiring dancers or choreographers or artistic directors, anyone within the profession, uh, there's a couple of themes that come out and those are, you know, always be true to who you are um, because we're all individuals and individuality is so important um, and not trying to be someone else um and also to as part of that you know it's um when you aren't uh selected you know for the audition um or for a part you know to not take it personally because you know um it can, it it is very picky. You know, people are selected. You mentioned before, five foot five. People are uh, selected for all random, you know, reasons in terms of their height and their flexibility, their skin color. You know, their you know their physical aesthetic. It's you know who they are now. It's how many social media followers you know can have an impact on dancers' career. It's getting insane, but you know it's um being able to that's the advice that they often say but it does come with those challenges of being able to you know respond positively to those types of rejections and that must be very very hard when it's something that can happen over and over and over and over again in a career yeah
1: it's it's a mindset that's needed and you're very you're so right with um, them understanding that they are unique. You cannot control the artistic director's thinking. You cannot control the choreographer's thinking. If they have a mindset of what they want, that's what they're going to go for. And and it's just to keep telling yourself, I wasn't right for it. Not that I'm no good, hmm. but I wasn't right for it. And there's going to be something else. Even if that happens over and over again, something is, is going to happen. Now, I I work with... Uh, the idea of the law of attraction, but I work with the the idea of the law of attraction from a quantum physics point of point of view. Wow. And, and quantum physics uh, says that, you know, positive energy will attract positive energy and vice versa with negative energy. So if you keep thinking that you're no good and it's not going to happen, I'm not going to get the job, you're attracting all that negativity to you. So if you think uh, in a positive way, um, okay, that wasn't right to me. There's going to be something coming up. And I get I get people, the, the clients, to, to write a list of uh, their intentions, what they want. But the list must be written in a positive way. So you wouldn't write, I don't want this and I don't want that. Hmm. It's, what do you want? I know as kids we were brought up saying, I want, don't get. You know, hmm. I, no, I want this, I want, you know. But actually, you can do that. Write it. I want to do this, I want to do that. And um, I want this in my life and I, I want it, et cetera, et
0: cetera. So I think what I'd like to ask is the last question is, given that your experiences being a former dancer and also being in the dance musical world and the, the, the theatre world and your many years as a counsellor um, and your specialisation in helping dancers, what, do you have sort of, I guess, an overriding um, piece of advice that you would give to the aspiring dancers today who are entering into this professional world or aspiring to enter into this professional world at this time?
1: Be kind to yourself, both physically, mentally and emotionally. Give yourself time off. When you do have a day off, have a day off. That's what it's for, for resting both body and mind. Uh, it's no good going off cross training, Pilates, or anything like that. Have a day off. Really, that's that's the basis of it. That that will allow your mind and body to rest.
0: That is such good advice, and I don't think that we value rest enough in today's busy society. And as you say, dancers when they're not in the studio or rehearsing or performing, they're doing you know, specialist Pilates and giatonics and in the gym. And yes, when do they rest? That's right. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Terry, for joining us today and discussing this topic. I know how busy you are, so I'm really grateful for your time. So I just want to say thank you. And for everyone who'd like to learn a little learn more about um, the work that Terry does, please go visit the, his website, which is counselingfordancers.com. Thank you so much, Terry.
1: Thank you, Savannah. Don't forget to subscribe. We've got some incredible interviews coming up with principal ballerinas and renowned choreographers. We love dance and ballet,
0: and we hope you'll love us. Join us on Facebook and Twitter.